The following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians 3, 17 to 21. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to Sacred City Church. My name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. For those of you just joining us, we're going verse by verse to the book of Colossians. This is the main way we preach here because we think it's the best way to get a well-rounded diet of the Word of God that going verse by verse really forces you to study things that you normally would just skip over, uh, topics that you normally would never uh, teach on, and you would really just avoid them at all costs if you're just preaching on current issues or felt needs. So most of the time at Sacred City, we just go verse by verse through whole books of the Bible so that we can really digest and understand the Word's given to us by God. And today, we find ourselves in the third chapter of the book of Colossians, specifically in verses 21, or 20 and 21. Here, Paul is writing specifically to parents and the children who live in their home. Now, I realize that not all of us here are parents. So you might be tempted to just tune this out as if it doesn't concern you. I heard some single person said last week after the sermon on marriage, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Well, let me ask you, is it better to learn how to change a tire before your tire blows out on the interstate or after, right? It's a little, it's better before, okay? And so more than likely you will get married, right? So you should know some things about marriage before maybe you even, this is a a novel idea, Maybe have some idea what's it going to be like to be married before you start dating. That might, that might be, help out a little bit. And maybe you should have a working knowledge of what parenting looks like before you actually make a baby. Right? Well, this morning, you can begin to build a toolbox now. That will serve you down the road if you are wise and if you listen up. And also, folks that don't have kids, if you live in a missional community with those who do, this will give you some biblical wisdom to help those in your missional community who you are discipling. So please don't turn me out this morning. I know you're tempted to. Uh, Let me pray. We've prayed a lot this morning, but we believe in the power of prayer, so I'm going to pray as well. Father... I pray that your people would hear your voice. We have obstinate hearts. We have proud hearts. We have hard hearts. We are know-it-alls. And we need you to bring light into our darkness. We need you to soften our hearts. We need you to speak your word into our reality and open us up. You say your word is living and active. That your word is a, is a knife, like a surgeon's scalpel that can cut to the very inmost part of our being. And you can, open us o- o- you can open us up. I pray that your word would do that this morning for the good of your people and the glory of your name. Hide me behind this word. 
Would you speak through me? Would you think through my mind? Be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, you can open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 or open up your app, verses 20 and 21. In this last section I had read between 17 and 21, Paul shows us what it looks like when the universe renewing gospel of Jesus comes home. Last week, we looked at how the gospel shapes the relationship between the husband and the wife. This week, we learn how the gospel changes the relationship between parents and children who are living together. Now, I don't know if any other topic has been written about more than parenting. It is a huge issue. Every good parent desires to raise good kids. Every Christian parent desires to raise kids that would love and honor and respect and embrace Jesus Christ. Now, if you go on Amazon right now, you would find over 60,000 books dedicated to parenting. There's a lot to say when it comes to parenting. There's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of approaches you can read one book that tells you that you should sleep with your kids, right? That's the best way to parent, bring them in bed with you. You can read another book that says, if you do that, you'll ruin them for life. I would agree with the latter on that one, but there's a lot of opinions out there. But as Christians, it's our responsibility to come back to God's word and let God's word be the primary force that shapes the way we parent. And today, Paul writes two of the most brilliant and succinct sentences to parents and children. And I believe if you can get these two sentences right in our homes, our homes are going to be places where parents and children flourish in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is what it looks like to have Jesus over our families. Now, as we look at our text, I want you to see that there is one command given to children and one given to, quote, fathers. Technically, the one given to fathers includes both mothers and fathers. The Greek word there is pateres, and it refers to both parents in Hebrews 11.23, where he says, by faith, Moses' parents, pateres, um, hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So the standard Greek lexicon of the New Testament suggests this is what the word means here. So when he says fathers, he's not just addressing the fathers, he's addressing fathers and the mothers. He's saying parents. So here in our text, we have one command given to children and one command given to parents. The command given to children is quite simple. This is where you start nudging them, parents. This right. Are you listening? Did you get your snack? Did you get your snack? Up here, up here. Chill. Here it is, kids. God's speaking to you right now. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Parents, Amen. come on now. Now he's preaching. Paul does not mince words here. Kids, first off, you are a part of the church. 
You are a part of the church. Paul's addressing you as a significant member of the covenant community. God has something to say to you. Paul addresses you specifically here and acknowledges that you are a valuable part of his church and you have a place here. The church isn't just for parents. The church isn't just for adults. Kids, also notice why you are to obey your parents. It does not say because your parents are geniuses. It does not say because your parents are perfect. It does not say because your parents are all-knowing. It says, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Your obedience to your parents pleases Jesus. When you obey your father and mother, you are obeying God. When you clean your room without bribery, threat, or delayed obedience, it shows your respect and honor to God, and it pleases Jesus. Kids, I know sometimes you wonder why you should listen to them obey and obey. Because they're not always right. I get it. Always remember, as you honor your father and mother, you are honoring Jesus who gave everything for you. Now, let me address the parents. Parents, what we are reading in our text here this morning presupposes a couple of things. One, your home is governed by a set of rules. Kids can't obey without parents setting rules. And two, your home is permeated by grace and joyful obedience to God. That's what the culture of your home feels like. Clear rules, but a culture permeated by grace and joyful submission or joyful obedience to God. Look at verse 21. Of course, of course, I'm in the wrong. There we go. Verse 21. Fathers or parents, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So verse 20 shows us that our home must have an established law. It must have a set of rules. Right? For the Christian, these rules, this law, should be established from the Bible, should be the law of God. That our homes should have the house rules given to us in God's word. You can go to the Ten Commandments. You can go to the Sermon on the Mount. You can go to the, this whole chapter of Colossians 3. Where it's, and it's just saying, this is what the Christian home should look like. Parents, we should set the standard in our homes and our kids should be expected to obey. When you set the standard, we expect our children to rise up to the standard. Kids, your parents love you and they love Jesus and these rules that they set in your home, they're meant to do three things. Now, you might not know this, but there are three ways the law of God is meant to be used. All the commands in the Bible that tell us to do something, there are three ways those commands are meant, or those three things that those commands are meant to do. 
One, here's the three uses of our, of our law, of our standard in our home and in the church. One, the law, the rules are meant to be a mirror that reflect back to us our own behavior and cause us to seek, great, seek grace. So the rules in our home show us how selfish we are when we don't want to share. How wrathful we are when we don't get our way. How lazy we are when left to our own will, right? So we set the standard to actually act as a mirror that, that says, oh, I'm actually, this is what our children should know. Oh, I, I'm actually not a well-developed human yet, right? When they snatch the Barbie doll and a swoosh comes or grabbing the hair or calling names. Hold on, hold on. Were you kind? Were you generous? No, I'm not. Well, what does that do? Does, it's not meant to crush my spirit and cause me to think horrible thoughts about myself. It's to say, okay, I don't measure up to the standard of God and I need the grace of Jesus to help me. This should cause all of us, kids and parents alike, to seek God's help. Kids, you can't obey your parents without Jesus's help. Pray to Jesus, ask for Jesus's help, ask for his grace to forgive all of your sins when you fail. So the first thing the law does is it causes us, it acts as a mirror to cause us to seek grace. Second thing, the rules in our home are meant to restrain evil and the rules in our society are meant to restrain evil. Parents, if you don't have rules, don't ever hire a babysitter. She is entering a war zone, right? She's like, what are the rules of engagement? There are none. Well, you're going to lose that. that the babysitter's losing that every time, right? Now listen, rules cannot change the heart, but, it, but they do serve to hold back some lawlessness, right? When parents don't have some solid and enforceable rules in the home, the kids run wild and the kids run the house, right? They become even more selfish and spoiled and this actually can severely limit the child's ability to do hard things and succeed later in life, right? Parents, you should learn this really quick. Right? You gotta cut a, you gotta set a cap on those snacks, right? Gotta cap, right? Or all night long. I want a snack, I want a snack. That never stops. Now, three, the law is meant to guide the Christian into the good works that God has planned for them. Hear that. The law of God tells God's kids what pleases our Heavenly Father. Jesus said, we already heard it quoted this morning in Matthew 28, when he says that we're to go and make, disciple, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he says this, listen, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, right? That part of what we're meant to teach people is the law of God, everything that Jesus commands us to do. Now, if you need to know, well, how does this work inside the gospel? Well, the Christian is free from the law as a system of salvation, but is still, quote, under the law of Christ as a rule of life. 
1 Corinthians 9, 21, Paul says this, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. So parents, we are to use the law of Jesus. We are to have clear and clearly defined rules and the law of God over our homes, right? Our kids should know scripture. We are to set clear rules for the home. And I'm gonna say this, most of our rules should be based primarily on God's commands, right? There should be a difference between make your bed, right? And be kind to your sister. One is a command of God. One is something we think is kind of convenient, right? There should be clear, we should have a clear delineation of this is from God and this is just my preference. And kids, do you know how you respond to mom and dad's rules that they, that they give you from scripture? Obey your parents in everything. Pretty simple, right? Simple, clear, but not easy. Kids, here's a great question to ask your mom and dad today at lunch. Ask your mom and dad, dad today if they obey their heavenly father in everything. Right? Now, this presupposes one other thing, and I've already mentioned it. We all, the answer to that, kids, is no, they don't. <laughs> right? They don't obey God in everything, and guess what that means? That means we all, parents and children alike, single and married alike, every person that's seated here today, guess what you need? You need the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus fulfilled the law for us. Jesus obeyed the Father perfectly in our place as our liturgy already so clearly said. Jesus also forgives us for breaking the law of God. And Jesus empowers us now to grow and change and obey the law in greater and greater ways. So parents, here's what verse 21 is saying to us. Your understanding of the gospel is meant to directly impact the way you parent your children. He gets right at the meat of things. He cuts to the heart of things in verse 21. And he says, fathers, parents, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. How do we provoke our children? One, too many rules, especially silly ones. How many times have I told you not to leave your socks around the house? Now, that's fine rule. You can have that rule. But if you're disciplining your child the same way over that rule as you are for them breaking covenants or breaking commandments, we've got a problem. Too many rules exasperates your children. Your house rules shouldn't look like the IRS tax code. <laughs> and if they do... You're going to make children who are more lawyer than they are child. 
They're going to learn to manipulate. Well, you actually didn't say this, mom. And you're going to have to have a rule on top of rule on top of rule. And that's how the, that's how the tax code gets built, right? People cheating one way or another. And so they just back. Now we've got a 600 page document and we all file taxes and we have no idea what we're doing, right? We just pay somebody else to make sure we're not breaking rules now, right? Too many rules. Remember the Garden of Eden? This is God's heart. One rule. Don't eat from that tree. Everything else, blessing. Keep your rules more general in the home. They're easier to enforce, right? Secondly, here's a way we can provoke our... So one, too many rules provokes our children. And then listen, it can provoke them in two ways. One, they can give up and throw their hands up and say, I can never live up to this. I'm running away from Jesus. That's a home driven by legalism. Or they can, some of them, they can respond to it and they can learn, oh, my parents are really happy when I obey all the rules. So therefore God must be happy with me when I obey the rules. Therefore, when I disobey or when I break a commandment, God must be upset with me. And they be tr become trapped in this exhausting cycle of trying to please God by their behavior all the time, rather than knowing the gospel that God is already pleased with them because of the work of Jesus. So too many rules exasperates our children. The next way, the next way that provokes our children is we enforce our rules randomly or haphazardly, usually dependent upon our attitude or our stress level. Uh-huh, parents, here's the rule. Do we discipline every time the rule's broken or do we only discipline when they're on our last nerve? Do we only snap when I've had a rough day at work? I can look over it when I'm in a good mood. No big deal, kids, breaking commandments. That's not a big deal. But when I'm in a bad mood, I discipline. This teaches our children, they have no idea when we're go what to expect from a parent. They have no idea, oh, 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 dad's mad today, so now I'm gonna get disciplined. Now I can't get away with it. Our kids never really know what to expect and we're never really setting the standard. Third way that we can prov provoke our children and discourage them is we use our anger to try to get our kids to obey the law. James says in chapter one, verse 19 and 20, know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Listen, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. How many of us let our anger try to produce obedience in our children? We yell. They don't respond. Don't make me get off this couch. I'm coming down there. Our kids obey or they disobey until they see your butt leave the cushions. They know I don't have to obey until his butt leaves the cushions. Then he's serious. Once he's up, okay, oh, I'm sorry, dad. Right, but I could disobey and get away with it because he's watching his show. He's more enthralled in his show than he is in actual my disobedience. See, and often we use our anger to try to produce righteousness in our children. But James says, nope, the anger of man does not produce 
the righteousness of God. Christian parents, we are to parent with the heart of Jesus. We must be governed by the law of Christ. We must have clear rules from the word of God and we enforce them, but we must also be ruled by the grace and the love of Jesus, right? I was taught early that rules without relationships lead to rebellion in our children. That the law without grace crushes our kids. A New Testament scholar wrote this about verses 20 and 21. Sometimes verse 20 has been overemphasized and verse 21 forgotten. So overemphasize the law and forget not to provoke your children. In the zeal of parents, not to spare the rod lest they spoil a child. Sometimes verse 21 has been overstressed and the rights of the individual child allowed to range free, trampling the rights of family, friends, neighbors, and anyone else in the way for fear lest young life be crushed or twisted. Both sides are clearly necessary. Children need discipline. And here's the second part. So do parents. Children, you show your discipline, your sanctification, your relationship to the Lord, your connection to the gospel with the way you parent your children, that you can set the standard, you can say, here's the law, and yet you don't discourage them, you don't provoke them, you don't exasperate them because your heavenly father never does that with you. You show your discipline by restraining to discipline and anger and being under the law of Christ. So parents, what are we to do? One, we're to set, we're to set the standard. Set the standard. Create some house rules, right? Children, every child should know this one. Children, obey your parents so it will go well for you. That should be number one verse they learn, right? Two, Enforce the standard when you're not mad. Enforce the standard before you get provoked. And if you do get provoked, this is why you need a spouse. Tag team them. I'm provoked. You're disciplining this time, right? So the kids, you got a unified front against these children or for these children. Let me say it that way. Three, give gracious discipline to them when they break the standard. Listen, gently leading them back to Jesus, reminding them of what Jesus has done for them and that they are deeply loved in the midst of their sin. Our kids should know there is nothing you could do that causes me to stop loving you. My love is is a mirror of God's love to God's love for us. God loves us like that. So I love you like that. Lead your child gently through the discipline process back to the gracious arms and the forgiveness of Jesus. Four, parents, encourage your children towards godliness and obedience because it will go well for them. Encourage them. What do I mean by that? Parents, Have gospel eyes. Catch them doing right 
and praise the Spirit's work in them. When you see them being kind, say, I can see, I saw you being kind to your sister. That's the Spirit at work in you. I'm so glad you're listening to the Lord there. Encourage that evidence of grace that you see in them. Help them begin to have eyes shaped by the gospel where they can see the evidence of grace in their own life. Oh my goodness, yeah, I used to snap. I used to yell. I used to do this. And now, you know what? I had a different response to that. I showed empathy or compassion to my sister. Well, look at that. I did do that. But it wasn't me. It was the spirit. The spirit's at work doing that. Parents, do you have gospel eyes to help your children see the work of grace in their life? Listen to this from N.T. Wright. The parent's duty is, in effect, to live out the gospel to the child. That is, to assure that that their children, that they are loved and accepted and valued for who they are, not for who they ought to be, should have been, or might, if they only would try a little harder to become. I'll tell you this week, that cut me to the heart. Because I'm trying to raise disciplined, God-fearing, hard-working, Jesus-loving kids. And I'm really aware of how, where they fall short. And I'm really desiring them to step up and grow up into maturity and work harder and, and do all these things. And so I know this week I was convicted in my own heart of saying, you know what? How often do I come across saying, you know what, kids, you'll be a little more loved if you just get your act together, if you work a little harder, if you're just a little better. And that's not the gospel that I want my kids to believe. I want my kids to believe the real gospel of Jesus, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, and he loved us when we were dead, and he loved us into life. In this way, we love our children into maturity and godliness. We are constantly reminding them, and I'm almost done here, of all that Jesus has done for them. We're constantly reminding them that they are completely loved right now, independent of their behavior. And also, listen, that the love of Jesus is not a complacent love. Jesus' love is a redemptive love. It's a love that beautifies the beloved So it takes dead people and makes them alive, okay? It takes sinners and it turns them into saints. It's a love that sanctifies us. It's a love that does a progressive work in our hearts, freeing us from the remaining sin and encouraging us to fight our sin and grow up into the full measure of the stature of Jesus. That God's love for us, it makes us more, we are called holy, we're justified, but it sanctifies us, makes us more and more holy, more and more like Jesus, the longer that we are to live. And parents, our love should do the same for our children. So I'm going to ask a couple questions as I close here. So parents, we usually have a natural tendency to err on one side or the other. The law or grace. We can be heavy on the law and lack grace, or we can be heavy on grace and lack law. We could argue if that's even theoretically possible, but you get what I'm, hopefully you get what I'm saying. Listen, when you look at your parenting style, what do you lack? What do you lack? I pray that you would 
Tell that to God today and you would ask him to give you more of that. If it's a backbone to set the rules and set the standard, that he would give you that. If it's grace and mercy, that he would give you that and you would see him giving it to you personally in the Lord's Supper so that you're free to dispense it with your children. And kids, do you obey your parents in everything because it pleases the Lord? No, me neither. Then let's pray that God would give all of us more grace. That he would forgive all of our sin and he would empower us to obey in the future because Jesus loves us so much. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for the way that the gospel is meant, not just to believe something for salvation, but it's meant to be brought in and lived out in our marriage relationships and also in the parenting relationships and the relationship between parents and kids. And Father, it's very, it's so simple. Have a standard, but have a, gra have a gracious standard. And yet it's so complicated with the, all the tumultuous emotions that we feel, all of our stories and backstories and the way that we were parented and all the stuff we bring into our, all the stress of this season and this time. And so, it's so it gets so complicated and so convoluted. And so I pray that you can cut through all of the fog of all of that and you would give us a heart for the law of God and you would give us a heart shaped like Jesus by the compassion, mercy, kindness, and grace of God. And all the parents that feel this morning how broken they are, how much they fail, would they come hungry to the Lord's table to receive grace upon grace upon grace? That you, on the night that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it and you said, this is my body that's broken for you. And you took the cup and you said, this is my blood that was shed to cover your sins. And we're to do this as often as we come together. And this morning we come together and we come to you needing more grace, Father. We need more grace from you. And you never leave us empty handy handed. You're gonna put it right in our hands this morning to remind us of it. A tangible reminder that your mercy is new every morning and your grace is here for us in our time of need. So would you feed our souls on the grace of Jesus this morning. In the powerful name of Christ, I pray. Amen and amen.